Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I got you a present. It's basketball royalty. Imani Medi Stafford here talking about her, what? Return to the WNBA? Oh, yeah. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDonald. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Over 175,000 of you showing up in January alone, the way we show up for you six days a week. Make sure you subscribe, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, it is not just me. It is the incredible team over at The Next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces Every single month, been a very busy February. Make sure you subscribe, $9 a month, $72 a year, thenexthoops.com. We are an offshoot of what used to be High Post Hoops. And of course, somebody who was part of that team uh, was Imani Medi Stafford, part of our coverage back in the 2017 WNBA draft. Imani, it's been quite a journey for you through this, through law school. But I was so excited when I heard from you about the opportunity to return to the WNBA. Talk to me about your basketball journey, where it is right now. Man, um, I think it's so crazy because we, we've, we've come so far <laughs> from the draft to now. So crazy. Um, I think I'm, I'm obviously a little bit older. I'm 29 now. Mm-hmm. Um, you met me when I was a wee pup. That's true. And, Dating back um, to college, Texas years. Yeah. So I think... Um, this is my first time doing a full season overseas. Um, really just trying to get my opportunity back in the WNBA. I, that's like, was my goal. I took my time away for school and everyone kind of thought I was done. And like in my head, I was like, no, I'm just taking a break. Yeah. Um, so I just need the opportunity to come back. I think I'm prepared. I think um, my last time in camp, I was a little out of shape. I've been a while. I've been away from ball and you know, you can't really mimic game shape, True. but my weight is down. I'm back in shape. I'm playing. So I'm just excited to see who wants to give me a shot. I mean, you talk about being back in game shape, and it's worth knowing. I feel like a lot of people miss this. They don't pay attention to the overseas. So it's like it's almost like you see like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to women's basketball, and then the, the iceberg is beneath the sea. And so let's let's surface it if we can. You're out in China. You've been absolutely killing it. I know the season begins again on Sunday, but you go through October through December and you talk about it, game shape. You also can't fake the shot making. You are shooting incredibly well, averaging uh, double figures in points, to put it mildly. You're hitting 45% of your threes, making almost half of your twos, dominating. I, I, I know in China, the numbers are sometimes elevated for Americans who are over there, but even by those standards, you're doing it. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're only playing like 25 minutes a game, right? Yes. So this year they added the rule where the bottom four teams could have two Americans, but my team was the only team that had two Americans. Um 
Kennedy Carter's team tried it for a very short period. They tried it for like two or three weeks, but we were the only one that had two Americans the entire time. And we only can play together for one quarter. So it kind of adds a little wrench in coaching because you have to pick who's going to play, who's not going to play. Um, and, you know, Courtney is a bucket. So Courtney got a lot of time and we ended up normally would finish the games kind of even. Um, so like one of the things I'm proud of is I'm leading the league in blocks, um, mm-hmm. though I'm playing like 10 minutes less than everybody else on the leaderboards. Um, yeah. I'm third in offensive rebounds and top 10 in rebounds. And so I'm excited to really kind of push those numbers since it's just me in the second half of season. And I'm probably going to be playing like 38 minutes. So my goal is to keep my um, efficiency, but also like raise those numbers up. So think about your game that's always been significant at that defensive end. You've always been a rim protector. Career block percentage of 4.6%, which again, over a full season would rank top 10 every single year since you've been in the lead. Do you feel as if, and it's so interesting because, you know, as we play more, obviously there's more and more experience. Do you get to blocks that you weren't getting to earlier in your career as you're able to anticipate things at the professional level? Yeah, I think um, understanding the game for sure helps. Um, understanding how to play defense is definitely something. And I think coming back to the game has actually helped a little bit better because I'm a little slower now. Uh, being a little bit older, I think I got a lot of blocks earlier in my career just being purely athletic in 6'7", not necessarily being in the right position. Um, and so coming back to the game, having to get my timing back made me have to be in the right position to get the blocks and things like that. So for sure, understanding how to get there and when to get there and when to go, when not to go. Um, and staying out of foul trouble, too. I think I've only fouled out like one game, if that, because I've been over here. <laughs> Well, and again, like your game, you talked about this at the at the defensive end, but in a lot of ways, it feels like the W has come to you in some significant ways. I mean, I remember talking to you back in the in the Texas days where you were already stretching the floor. You were already taking the long twos, the trail threes and being able to see sort of that comfort level with five shooting the ball from anywhere does it feel I don't just mean that you have the skills to be able to do it but does it almost feel like teams are going to need you even more than they have in past years um I wouldn't say that I think I think um our GMs do a good job but I'm definitely going to say that I think uh the the solid defensive players at the five position are at a premium in the league right now um that's something that I I rely on I think when we talk about my offensive side of the game I play for five coaches in my four years. And if you look at the film, I look different under every coach Mm -hmm. because I kind of always been a player. I'm going to do what the coach wants me to do. Not necessarily um, comfortable just doing what I know I'm great at on the offensive side of the ball. So I think in terms of on the offensive end, a lot of people are kind of surprised that I can do as much as I can just because I I kind of play to the role given to me um, in my younger years in the league. So um, my thing always is going to be being a defensive presence and being one of those bigger players. You know, six seven—that's that's the second tallest in the league. Um, teach it, can't teach you know? it. So every day, I know that that's something I can bring to a team, regardless of who's in front of me. I ain't gonna stop everybody, but I'm gonna make it harder <laughs> for sure. Um, I, know, I, I know we've talked about also just the joy in which you are having in playing basketball, and I, and I know you know time away sometimes can sharpen that. Uh, I know for a lot of people, you know, during the period of COVID, when everything shut down, there was a long time where it was, all right, we weren't getting access to the things that we loved and sort of a re-emphasis. Does it feel 
different the joy, the emotion that go into when you're out on the court? Like, just hit me through what that's like for you now. Yeah, I think, um, again, you know, you don't know what you have until you lose it. I think um, I think I've think i always been very blessed, right? Like, I was a first-round pick. Um, I, I was very good in college. I, I've never been on the other side of this. My first time getting cut in the WNBA was in 2022. <laughs> that was my first time in my entire career. Um, so being on the outside looking in is not fun, but I, I do think I needed the break. Um, it was my first time since I was probably 14 that I hadn't worked out six times, six days a week. Um, right. I got to just relax. I got to be a nerd again and read books and go to school and really enjoy that process. And I didn't know I would miss it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that I, I, I would miss the competition. Um, watching people I think I'm better than, uh, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think back in the in the gist of it and being able to compete and not only compete, but prove that I can do it. Um, yeah. This is my first season overseas and I'm watching them game plan for me and finding a way to compete. And I've never had that happen to me for in the W. So um, it, it's been it's been very fun. You haven't had it happen yet. Haven't had it happen yes. yet. That, that, yes. and, and again, you know, for listeners at home, you need to understand that uh, it isn't as if Imani during this time off uh, was, uh, let's say, doing like the lazy layabout sitting at the pool. <laughs> like Imani went to literally law school during this period of time, started her own business, pro services for professional athletes. Uh, just as you're doing all of this, do you have like a moment where it kind of crystallized for you? You know, you talked about watching other games. I know you have been following closely. You've always been a student of the game. Was there a moment where you're like, you know, oh, I, I really need to get back? Yes, uh, for sure. I think um, it's different going to WNBA games. I, I like went to watch uh, Vegas, their last game when they gave everybody the all of the alumni, their championship rings and stuff. Um, Cause I have a family friend that played for them. A couple of friends actually that played for them over the years. And I got to go and be a part of the festivities. And it was amazing. Um, Vegas does everything correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so weird sitting in the stands, <laughs> watching the games. And like before that I had been invited to go to games, I just wouldn't go. I was just like, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know if I could do that yet. Um, and that, that, that I think those are the moments where you're just like, man, I miss it. Like I miss being that person. Um, and I have little brothers. My little brothers are um, eight, seven and five. And the youngest one has never seen me play basketball in person until I played at AU. And the oldest one remembers me playing the WNBA. And so it's little things like that, that I'm just like, man, like I still got something in me. Like my goal is to come back and sign a multi-year. I think those are things that everybody doesn't get a chance to do. I think the great players in our league sign multi-year deals. Um, You know, like everybody has their rookie, their rookie scale for sure. But signing a multi-year deal after that is that staying power. And that says something about who you are as a player, um, both on and off the court. So that's definitely one of my goals. Hopefully I'll be able to do that and reach that. But I just feel like I deserve to be in the league. And I know I'm capable of doing it as well. Sorry for the background. It's Chinese New Year. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. And so really excited to talk a little bit more about both the lead that you're coming back to and just what it means in a broader sense. Because as we've talked about, you know, you you are a family of basketball royalty. And it's interesting to me to talk about it in that sense. I know you think about it that way, too. So we'll be back in just a moment, segment two, more with Imani Medi Stafford coming back. And we are real excited to see 
where she lands. Much more in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Hungry Root. And Hungry Root, one of the sponsors of today's programs, they give an opportunity for you to be your healthy partner, living healthier, eating healthier. You get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. Here's how it works. Take a fun, short quiz, and then Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, you name it. And then they build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. They will recommend recipes, groceries, high-quality food, always ready-to-eat meals. It saves you so much time. If you're like me, that comes in handy so often. And right now, 100 Root is offering Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get your 40% off first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So I'm back with Imani McGee Stafford. And of course, Pam McGee, your mom, played in this lead. It's so interesting, right? You think about like the way the timeline lines up. She was obviously this great player who didn't play in the WNBA until age 34, not because of anything other than, in this case, lack of opportunity. The lead did not exist. And I just I wonder to what extent that can inspire you. You know, she obviously was able to play multiple seasons, was a standout in both Sacramento and L.A. Like, does it feel to you like you can have a different clock in part because of the pathway that she took to get there? For sure. I think I don't I don't take it for granted. I think being a daughter of a WNBA player, you know, I'm the first to do it so far because my mother was, like you said, a little older than everybody else when the league started. Um, I don't take that for granted. Um, I will stand on the top of the mountains and tell you the WNBA is the best league in the world. And being a part of that 144, soon to be 166, um, it, it's not something that everyone's able to do. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to step away and come back, like, that that if if I'm able to accomplish it that um like I feel like I can um that's an amazing feat um mm. and I think continuing her legacy uh you know I got a lot of champions in my in my family so you know trying to carve my name in the in the record books be it as a team player or um just being years in the league whichever way that that shapes out is important to me you you talk about this and and I know you have these sort of long range goals that go along with it was seeing Vegas in person. Part of that, you know, being able to see up front, like what a champion is looking like at this point in time in the WNBA. And I just related to that. I just think back right to like when you first entered the league compared to now, it feels like it's so much bigger. It just feels like there's so much more infrastructure to it. I, and, and that's just from the media side. Is that what it feels like from a player side too? For sure, especially knowing, um, you know, like I was in the league before Vegas was Vegas, it was San Antonio. That's right. So seeing how far we've come, seeing what it looks like, seeing what we look like in popular culture and popular media, um, it, it is an amazing thing to be able to say I was a WNBA player. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I'm proud of what we've been, been able to accomplish. I was a player rep every year. I was in the league. So seeing us get this new CBA um, and just continue moving forward as a women's league, as one of the most established women's league in America. Um, so every day I get, it's just, it's, it's beautiful to watch and I'm a fan. So like, you know, like even though I wasn't playing, I'm still watching games. I'm still cheering for my friends um, and just watching how the game develops, you know? So it's funny. Cause now like, you know, like I am one of the older players mm-hmm. where a lot of these kids, I do not know, <laughs> like I know them simply from watching. So, sure. um, definitely a different, different appreciation being on this side. You would have to be a player rep, right? Back in the league. I'm just saying, you, you know, there's a lot of really capable players, but you went to literal law school, right? <laughs> I would think you'd have to be tapped for that, right? Something like that. Something like that. I, I enjoy um, watching everything come to fruition for sure. Being a part of those conversations before, as we were negotiating. Um, and, you know, like we, we've watched our, our fearful leaders, NECA for sure, Shanae, Lay do so much, so much good in their time in this league. And, and I think that's where you stand out is how do you leave this league after you leave the league? You know what I mean? And I think everybody that plays in WNBA understands how much we believe in this league and want this to be here for our kids. My niece, um, my brother's daughter is seven and she plays basketball. Um, and she remembers coming to watch me play. And my brother actually told me they went to a Dallas game when he was playing in Dallas. And she was like, where's, where's TT Monty? You know, so having those moments are important for me. No doubt about it. And a chance to create new ones as well going forward. Of course, we are on the cusp of uh, a potential opt-out agreement and a potential new CBA going forward. It just feels like such a significantly important time for the lead. You have always been outspoken about the, the lead to say that as an advocate, but also someone who can see it being pushed even further. Are there particular things that you are hoping for out of the next one beyond even just the obvious one, which is that the undervalued TV deal needs to be adjusted and needs to to change the way players are paid? We've been um, lucky to see uh, soccer get it done. You know, I've always said uh, we we move as soccer moves because soccer, they pass every metric, Mm -hmm. right? They don't have, they obviously don't have like the big brother syndrome of the NBA, but they outscore their men, they outperform their men, they have bigger names than the men in the United States, at least. Um, and so we've seen that happen. So that means we we have the same thing. We've seen our numbers grow. Um, and furthermore, we've seen what, what the kids are bringing, right? Mm-hmm. The NIL has also added to that because now those deals should follow those players when they make it to the league as well. Um, social media has been a huge, huge boost um, just in all of these things, because now you get to follow your favorite player, you get to inter- interact with them. And I'm always going to be on the W for pushing more narratives. We saw AU be able to do that successfully. People care. and Everybody doesn't like women's basketball. That's just life. Right. But people care about who and why and where do they come from? What are their stories? You know, people want to know that Tosh is from Philly. People want to know those things. That's why I follow her. Like, oh, my gosh, she went to school I went to. You know, like those little things, they want to know those stories. And the more you tell them, the more we can engage the casual fan. We have diehard fans. Our fans are rain, shine, hell, sleet, or snow. They're going to find us and they're going to support us. But we still are struggling with the casual fan. And those are the things that are going to bring the casual fan. I've always been like, I want us to have a pension. Um, I think that's going to be one of the things that probably won't happen this CBA, but further down the line in terms of really solidifying us as a true professional organization. Um, because, you know, as of now, a lot of players, they can t- do their time in the league and do really well, but we still don't have anything to really show for that outside of accolades 
as opposed to, you know, healthcare. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So it's so um, tough, right? When you go to your doctor and you're like, look, I have this award. I, you know, I was all WNBA and they're like, no, but we need your health insurance card. Right. So yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, those are things that probably come not in the CBA, but further mm -hmm. down the line, but we, we've made so many strides being a women's league. And we now, you know, we have help in terms of alternative family building, um, which is something that a lot of us do need, um, whether we, regardless of what our sexual orientation is, that's something that women's leagues need because you never know what you might run into, especially us as women waiting later to have children being professional athletes. Yeah. Um, so seeing everything we've been able to accomplish and just continually growing about that is, is everything that we're about and continually having these conversations. I mean, the conversation is vital and the growth and what we're seeing, it's always that balance between, you know, to be proud of how far the league has come and at the same time to be pushing for more. So and and, and you, you always do both. So so more on this, because I want to talk a little bit more about this in segment three uh, right after this. But first. I want to let you guys at home know about our other sponsor today, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your car and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With 122 million parts for your car, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for, which is very lucky. I don't know anything about cars, but thank goodness eBay Guaranteed Fit does. So they let you know what part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your car alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. So, Imani, I want to do a thought experiment with you as we think it through, right? It's 2030, okay? And we're looking back. You've just had your age 35 season in the WNBA. What do you want the next six years to look like for you? And for the league, take me through what you visualize in it. That's tough. Now, listen, if I'm still in the league at 35, I've done some good stuff. That's All right. right. I've done some good stuff. Um, first and foremost, I think we have to continue to build our TV presence, um, making it more easy to access. Right. Like the ion deal was amazing. Um, and then targeted. I think we are we live in a very niche space. Um, being how we are at the precipice and forefront of a lot of social justice issues. Yeah. But we're also a sports league, right? So navigating that kind of minefield of marketing um, has been something that's tripped us up. But we're a women's league and we don't have any feminine hygiene products. We just got a hair care company within the last couple of years. Like that, there's there's a market there. And um, continuing to build out those things um, and finding things that authentically connect. I think the more we sell who we truly are and allow all of the shades of femininity and womanhood to be showcased is that that's, that's what gets it because there's so many different types of women that play in the league and there's so many different types of women in the world and being able to see yourself in our players is what makes us right. Is what sells us. So. I mean, can I just ask to that point? Cause that seems like such a, such a clear miss early, 
early in the WNBA history, right? To put it mildly, where there's this idea that you're going to somehow fool the haters into supporting the lead by not having the lead presented as its authentic self. And I remember, I, I'm sure you do, that that moment in essentially 2016, 2017, that pivot point where there was an understanding. It was you know during the lease of orders years where, you know, all right, we can't soft sell who we are or what we believe in. Do you feel like the lead gets to where it is now, if not for that moment, that moment of social justice that was pushed by the Minnesota Lynx, by Maya Moore and by Lindsay Whalen and, and Simone Augustus and by Tina Charles and Tamika Catchings. I remember to this day having a media blackout to talk about gun violence. And we had the opportunity to talk to them after the game, not about the game and about the things that were on everybody's mind. I think those are things, I think those moments are important. And I think they did solidify us to be in a specific space. Yeah. Um, and at the time, that was the moment, right? Those are the things that we all were feeling, we all were dealing with. And in, in a way, we weren't uh, able to ignore it anymore because we were at home looking at a screen for 80% of our days. Um, but I think it's also important to understand, you know, like everybody doesn't want to be activists and that's OK. Right. right. Everybody doesn't have the space or the willingness to have these conversations. And that doesn't make them any less of a member of the W. That doesn't make them any less of a player we should follow. That just means that that's not their cup of tea. They're not they're not comfortable speaking in those ways publicly. And that's OK as well. And I think it's important to tell those stories as well. I think it's very easy um, to kind of pinpoint us in a specific space because we're willing to have these conversations and we do have players so authentically speaking about their reality, but that doesn't cover the broad span of the league all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think we just have to continue to put more voices in front of us and more people being able to share their stories. Um, and we've seen that and we've seen it work. And so continually having people show up, you telling the stories, W Insider telling the stories, you know, all these different people showing up and telling our stories is what does it and understanding that we're not a monolith. And none of us are. And we should be allowed to exist in those spaces in the same way. Telling those stories is a privilege for me. And particularly, and you'll forgive me for saying so, telling your story has been a privilege for me for going on a decade now, you know, dating back to your Texas years uh, when you were on this program for the first time before you even uh, turned pro. Uh, I also, we had a feature that we used frequently at a uh, now long uh, demise uh, site uh, that was your tweets of the week where we would highlight what you were doing on social. And uh, I'm, I'm, they're often funny. They're often poignant. You are a published writer. Uh, make sure you read Imani's poetry if you haven't. But you had one that I think is perfect for today, uh, Valentine's Day. And you said this is on February 12th. There is nothing more beautiful than removing ego and showing up in your emotions authentically. And I highlight that both because it's beautiful and poignant and true and because it is what you are doing here now with the WNBA to let people know. And, and let's be clear, teams, get on the stick because there is WNBA interest and Imani is uh, her agent is getting calls as we speak. So this is happening if you want six, seven rim protecting, shooting from beyond the arc and at the rim, uh, there's a way to do it. And it's by uh, getting Imani Medee Stafford for your team. But Imani, for you, showing up authentically 
how pure does it feel now to be able to have fully bought into your basketball journey now? How good does that feel to feel unconflicted about it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it's scary to want something that isn't within reach all the time. I don't think I've ever been on this side, like I said earlier. Um, but I know I put in the work. Um, I, I finished my degree, so I'm not multitasking anymore. Um, and it's a different, it's a different feeling and a different love and a different want. Um, so, you know, I can only, I can only prepare myself and hope that the opportunities come. That is exactly what you've done. I have no doubt that the opportunities are going to follow. Imani Medea Stafford cannot wait to see you and cover you in the league this summer. We will see people on the GM side make it so. Until tomorrow, I am Howard Magdal, thanking all of our listeners for once again showing up for us. We will, of course, be back with you with the great Kalani Brown tomorrow. And, of course, six days a week. We are always here. So until then, I'm Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a very happy Valentine's Day. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 